Welcome to Forward Filmmaker, a podcast from FilmHub. I'm Max Sanders. You may know me from my podcast, Buzz in the Tower, where I discuss my favorite 80s films. But this one is different. The film industry is changing, and filmmakers must adapt. On Forward Filmmaker, we'll be talking with directors and producers about the pains and opportunities facing the modern filmmaker. Joining me today is writer-director Sean Mathis, a former novelist who went to Atlanta on a whim after watching Entourage and deciding to carve out a career in the film industry. He's now the co-owner of Laconic Productions. He's directed full-length crime features, rom-com web series, documentaries, and music videos. His 2016 film, The Plug, had over 4 million views. He has worked on 34 projects just in the last year. He is a yes-to-everything kind of guy. On this episode, we'll hear how he defies the laws of time and fearlessly moves across genres. This podcast is brought to you by FilmHub, the number one film distribution platform. Join thousands of filmmakers who are keeping their rights and getting paid on time. Submit your film today at filmhub.com and have it streamed on Amazon Prime Video, IMDb TV, Tubi, the Roku Channel, Plex, and dozens more. Sean, how are you today? Yes, sir. I'm freaking awesome. How are you? Fantastic. I'm so excited that we get to do this. Finally, right? Yeah, it took us a few tries, but we're here. So (laughs) going through your film catalog, I just love the diversity. You have documentaries and miles in the life. You have office workplace in the fired writers of Tyler Perry Studios. You got crime drama in the plug, rom-com with the threesome, and music videos take over your trap. Where does the passion for taking on such different projects come from? Um, when I started out, one of the things that I said, and this is actually, I started, I, I had this mantra when I was writing books. It's like, I wanted people when they saw or read a piece of my work, I wanted them to feel like they were meeting me for the first time. So every project that I do, it has to be different. You know, I can't stay in just one lane and just do action. Like, you know, like when you watch a Michael Bay film, you know what you're going to get. Explosions. Explosions. Save the world, big stuff, cheesy ass dialogue. Eh. If you watch a Scorsese film, you know, you're going to get like Italian mob dramas, you know, crime stuff. And, and, and nothing's wrong with that. I'm just not the person that stays just in. I don't eat white bread every day. Right. I might want brioche. <laughs> right? I might want oatmeal bread. So I think the audience is like that, too. Like now. Because there's so many options out there, people want to watch like different things. So for me, starting out, I had to hit everybody. So I had to do like one film over here, one film over here, and one film over here. So yeah, like that's where it comes from. Do you ever get any fear from that? What's your brain telling you? My brain's telling me the man up and figure it out. It's really my OC Eagle inside, you know. Um, he's telling me like, man up, let's figure this out. If you're going to do it, we got to do it right. So we got to figure out how to do it. Right now, I'm gearing up for a coming-of-age film called 18, and I've never done a coming-of-age before. So I had to look at, I had to do a lot of like film research on coming-of-age films to look at shot selections and discuss tone with my DP and my AD to figure out how how is this going to, how is this coming-of-age going to translate to where it looks like a coming-of-age. 
So don't the only fear is not doing it. The only fear is, you know, not doing it because I'm scared. Like, nah, fuck that. For those who didn't know, you started as a novelist from Connecticut. And now, 11 years into being in Atlanta, you're a foundational filmmaker in that community. Walk mm-hmm. me through that journey and how you got here. Well, I was living in Philly. Um, living in Philly, uh, I, I was managing a sneaker store. And I, I always wanted to be a writer, but everyone told me that writers didn't make any money. And when I looked around everyone around me, you know, growing up and, you know, even in my adult life, everyone around me were worker bees. So I was like, shit, maybe they're right. So, you know, after going to school and getting a job and I'm making all this money and I still wasn't happy. And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna write this book. And my friends was like, man, who are you to think you can write a book? Like, you think you better than everybody else? Like, nah, I just had the story in my head. So I wrote wrote the book and I toured with it for like seven months. I had every film festival from like Maine to Florida, every black book club, uh, independent bookstores, and I sold 100,000 copies. Holy shit, right? right? Because I used to do music. So selling a book or getting a book out there is no different from selling a $10 CD. You just have to get out there and do it. So you got to... On the weekends, whatever, after I did my nine to five on Saturdays and Sunday, I was I was driving around or I'm taking a bus to another city and I'm doing a festival. And then when I'm done with that festival, I'm going to the independent bookstore in that city. When I'm done with that, I've, I've already hooked up with the um, book clubs in that city. So I'm selling books all day. It's, the hustle's no different, right? So because of the success of that, I knew what to do for the next book. So I ended up writing um, two more and having and having the same success. In my third book, like I'm, I'm on, on the bus, going to work. It's cold. It's a cold Philadelphia day. And I'm listening to Drake successful. And I was seeing the beginning of my book in my mind as like flat of like movie scenes. We call it a cold open. Uh, and it, 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 it had never happened in my, with my um, two previous books. So I ignored it. So every, but every time I would sit down and, and, and write the story, I would zone out and I would come to, and it's like, it's a terrible script format. And I have to like erase everything and put it in novel format and focus. And I said, okay, the universe is telling me to move on. It's time to do film. And I never considered film ever. So I tell my best friend, I said, hey, Ben. So Ben was in Atlanta. So um, I said, hey, Ben. I was like, um, I'm moving to LA. He was like, for what? I said, well, I'm going I'm to I'm do film. So I'm going to write movies. And he was like, nah. He was like, you don't go to LA. Not right now. And I was like, why? I'll never forget this. He was like, LA is the NBA. You have to get drafted to go there. You need to go somewhere and play college ball first, make a name for yourself, and then get the call. And I was like, oh, it's kind of dope. So here I am. I'm in Philly. New York's an hour and a half away. So I'm figured, okay, let's go to New York. So I spent some weekends in New York and learned that New York filmmakers and that whole community is like, they are tight. They don't let any just anyone in. You can just walk up and say, hey, I want to do this. And it was none of that. Right. So Ben said, come to Atlanta. And I was like, Atlanta? They don't do film in Atlanta. And he sent me this link of all these films that was being shot in Atlanta. Now, mind you, this is like 2008, or maybe late 2008, early, early 2009. And I was like, holy smokes. So I was like, all right. So I made the plan. I put plans in motion to move to Atlanta. And I moved to Atlanta in 2010. And um, it took me three years until 2013, so I actually got into film. You know, I was, at the time I was a single dad. Uh, I was fighting for custody of of my daughter, which I ultimately won. So once I had that secured, I got into film, and I met just a bunch of people that were open arms from like day one. So because I was accepted off off rip, I was that way with everyone else that I came in contact with. 
So pouring into other people, being of service to other people, starting out and also putting out great content has, you know, allowed me to become, you know, that that fixture. As well, how it happens, I never, I never thought that it would get to this point. My 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 only mantra was, all I want to do is make a, make the same amount of money in film that I was making with my nine to five. Anything else was extra. I had no idea I'd, I'd, I'd become that guy. You know, it's, it's it's dope and it's scary at the same time, but I'm here for it. So who were those guys for you when you went down to Atlanta? Quilanda Moore, um, which is, um, so, so quick story, right? I come to Atlanta with all this money, right? Yep. I don't know what to do with it. And I was like, I wanted to get into film. What's the best way to break in a film? Oh, I know. I'm going to own a bar. When all the celebrities come in, I'm going to say, I do film. And yeah. So I met this guy, <laughs> Vince. I met this guy, Vince, that actually had a bar. And we chopped it up over drinks. And like two weeks later, I'm the co-owner. Like, I'm now I'm like managing owner of his bar. But it's wild because two months later, I meet Kualanda. Just five foot four little girl, just graduated from Georgia State. He walks in and say, hey, I'm doing the movie. Can I shoot in your bar? And she was, she had to be all like, what, 20, 26 at the time, maybe, maybe younger. And I was like, holy, she comes in with these three women with her. That's like her, 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 her producers and stuff. And it's everything so organized. So I'm watching her do this. I ended up dating her um, roommate, who I'm still with 10 years later. And so like, I'm watching her create this film. I'm like, man, if she can do it, I know I can. But every question I had, she answered. We actually formed a group together, um, me, her, and another producer, Film the film the um film the company together and we actually helped fund each other's projects. So while they fun, you know help fund threesome, I helped fund the single life and the single life two and monarch um monarch monarch mentality. So it was Kualanda, it was John, it was my business partner Justin, it was Sharon Tomlinson, R.I.P. She passed last year. Um, who gave me my who gave me my start? Alan Parks and Shanika and Two Chains over at Street Execs. Those were the people for me that like helped me out and was like, all right, you want to do it? Let's do it. Do you think it's unique to Atlanta? Cause you were talking about New York's film industry and everyone's like gates up in Atlanta. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. come in. Yeah. Like, cause like it's, it's wild, cause when I'm on clubhouse and just like, you know, Arkansas film community, the so-and-so film community, I would jump in and see what's happening in those um, cities. Cause I, you know, I shoot all around the country. So I want to be able to have, you know, know people when I go to another state and the, the common theme is no one helps anybody in these other cities. It was like you can come to Atlanta and it's all love, like all love. I have I have a writers room that um I conduct every Thursday night on Zoom, and I have writers from Oklahoma, Florida, Virginia, and a lot of these guys have come and visited me, and I've brought them around the film community. Everybody's like, "What are you doing? What do you need? When are you coming back? We'll we'll come to Arkansas," and and, and everyone's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Y'all don't, y'all don't even know me. It's like, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all creatives. We're all trying to get it. So let's get it. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's unique to Atlanta. I don't know why it is, but it just is. And I, and I, I love that it is because I wouldn't be able to be able to do what I do if it wasn't. So do you think your Sean Mathis Atlanta staple for the rest of your career? Is it oh, go- yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it here. I love it here. How'd you learn the distribution game of filmmaking? Trial and error. So <laughs> traditionally, it's like you make a film, you go to a festival, you meet distributors, your stuff gets bought. And no. That's <laughs> 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 not. 1% of films get bought. 1%. 
That means 99% of the films being done will never see the light of day or never be purchased or never get distribution. I didn't know that starting out. So with Threesome, which is like my first, you know, my first project, you know, we had to do probably 100, 125 film festivals. And and we won maybe 30% of those festivals we won. But once we won, it was like, no one was like, hey, let's develop this series or you know, let's bring it here. I, I didn't get that guy a laurel or a trophy and a goodbye. And I was like, the fuck? Like, this is not what I told was going to happen. Like, I won. So I had a friend, Alicia Kowser. She runs I Am Cinema, um, another staple here in, in, in Atlanta. And I missed her from, from the beginning. She helped me out a lot as well, Alicia. We still work together from time to time. She was like, you need to go to AFM, American Film Market. So... What I learned taking the plug to film festivals is that the street stuff doesn't do well at festivals. I was very uneducated about how festivals work. So I was like, okay, the plug isn't festival worthy, even though it's good. So I said, well, a documentary is. So we had finished miles and we said, all right, we had planned to go to AFM. And me and Jabari, we go to AFM and it's nonstop meetings, 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 meetings. And a lot of distribution was bullshit or... A lot of distributors weren't even distributors. They were like sales agents, right? So I'm listening to these people um, and like these deals don't sound right or, or the process does, doesn't sound right. And it just didn't fit for me. And the thing that I learned about Netflix was if you're an independent, if you don't have anybody major attached, those Netflix deals are like $25,000, no residuals, no back end. It's yeah. a one-time payment for X amount of years and that's it. And I was like, yeah, nah. <laughs> but now what I'm learning is because now we're in this content wars. So all these other smaller streaming services are popping up. And, you know, we, we have our content with all of them because who was it? Uh, two, I think 20th Century Fox just bought Tubi or Pluto, one of them. So now my title is associated with 20th Century Fox now. I'm learning that all these smaller ones, when they pick my title up, no matter what the upfront payment is, if the back end is good, I'll you know I'll sign with them in hopes that these giants will gobble those up and my titles will be with those you know giants as well. So I'm planning for two, three, four, five years down the line. You know, today is over. I'm not worried about today. I'm worried about I'm worried about down the line. So that's kind of where I am. So are you going to be an independent filmmaker for life? Um, I don't know. I, you know, one, you know, one day I'm like, yeah, one day I'm not. Uh, I don't know. I like the freedom to do what I want when I want as an independent. Um, as a major, I can't really, everything that I'm about to say about a major is, it's a guess. I don't know because mm-hmm. I never did anything major. The, you know, the deal would just have, would just have to be right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. My 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 new film 18, we've we're um we've signed some 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 name actors um to see if we can get a bigger distribution platform like you know like TV, like BET or TV One or possibly a Netflix because there's names attached. So I, I really don't know. There's really no plan to go major. Honestly, I'm I'm really happy where I am. So anything else is this is extra. Do you ever think you'd be here at this point? Heck no. no. <laughs> as confident as I am. Yeah. <laughs> about me and my, because I didn't know what this looked like. When I started out, I still, I still had a nine to five. You know, um, you know, I've been working since I was 14 years old. So that's that's really what I knew was like to have a job. I had that security. So going out to do this full time was was a gamble. And I, I just thought that I would put out cool stuff and I 
make some money and I'll be okay. But I never, never thought I'd be where I am now. But I've heard you don't believe in luck though, which is kind of crazy with all that confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. 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 I don't, yeah, I'm fortunate. Let's say that not lucky. I'm fortunate because I put in the work. So if you, you know, if you put in the work and the quality is good and you have good relationships and the content is good, then this is what was supposed to happen. I just couldn't see it at the time. Um, so yeah, I've been fortunate. I, I, I have a great team around me that trust my vision. And if I say I want to go left, we're going to go left. And, you know, it's been good. It's been good. You go to your team, your next genre, it's something you haven't covered yet. What's the process? Um, I, I watch movies similar to mine. So the closest film related to 18, or not even related to it, the look and the pacing that I want to go for is Peanut Butter Falcon with um, Shia LaBeouf. Fucking love that movie. <laughs> I, I really watched movies twice. I watched that movie twice. I, and I just loved it. And I was like, that's 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 what I'm doing. That's what I want. I want that feel. I want that look. So I look at films similar to what I want to do. And then I say, all right, I go to my DP. I go to my first AD. I say, this is what we're going to do. This is the look of it. Let's break this down with the, with our script and, and figure it out. Mostly my DP will like take on the look of it. My job is to make sure that the actors perform, right? So it, it's, it's really good that I can tell my DP. I have two. I can say, this is the look. This is what I'm going for. They'll do shot lists and colors and themes and all that kind of stuff like that i focus on the talent and then we come together and say all right for this scene this shot we're going to go f- with this okay well this is the emotion i need from them and it's just we just work in tandem so it's safe to say you love the process yeah, i love the process because i learn something all the time i learn something all the time and that's and, and then that's the coolest part about being independent i think i have i have the ability to learn and make mistakes with my own money mm-hmm. <laughs> and not have to worry about <laughs> fucking up someone else's. Right. Yeah. So that's a cool part. Like, yeah, like I get to, okay, figure this out. And now I'm learning and now I, now I know how to do this. Now I can take this back to my writer's room right? or I can pour into my AD or my mentees, you know, how to, how to do it. And they get to skip all the mistakes because they're getting it from me. Right. So, so yeah, the, the learning part, the development part is just as good as watching the final edits. It's like, this is where, like, remember when we were, you know, and this is what it turned out to? So, so yeah. So, so what's the most valuable mistake you've made? The most valuable mistake that I've made would probably have to be, um, um, and it's been minor. I haven't had really anything right. Um, I had a bunch of females that were my producers. My girlfriend, Kuala, uh, Jennifer, and we were casting the lead. Right, we're casting the um, lead guy. I wanted one guy. They wanted the guy that we ultimately got, and he just did not perform at all. And I was like, I was so upset. I said, this this could have been better if we had a better actor. So I've learned to listen to my team because they're there for a reason, right? I put these people in a place for a reason. Right? If I feel it in my gut, I have to go with it, regardless. And I used to not do that because I didn't want anyone to feel some type of way. But at the end of the day, this is all on me. So I've learned how to communicate, hey, I get what you're saying, but I'm going this way. And this is why I'm going this way. So I do explain it to them. It isn't just my way or the highway. It's like I explain to them why we're going this way, but I have to trust my gut. So now going forward, even with even with the scripts that I choose, it's a gut feeling. I, ha- I, I have to listen to that. That's been the most valuable lesson that I've learned. So do you ever give 
the actors, if they're like, I want to do it one way, would you let them try it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you have the time for it. Mm-hmm. And if they, you know, if they stay within like the frame of the character, right? Yeah. So when we're when, when we're doing the plug, I you I, I hired two comedians that were friends of mine, Trey Williamson and Justin Mitchell. Trey played the security guard in the plug. Justin played the Uber driver. So I trusted them as comedians and they're really good actors. Like they know their stuff. They know to stay within the parameters of a character. So um yeah, that was that was one hundred percent Adelaide. There's been other stuff that I've d- directed when, when I'm talking to the character, talking to the actor, um, and they they suggest something. Like I said, if it's in frame of who the character is, I let them do it. And a lot of times these actors come to me with, with an idea from a character point of view, not because they want to do it personally. So when they talk mm-hmm. to me from a character's point of view, it's like, all right, well, let's try it. We could waste a take or two. Come on, let's just do it, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. What would you change about the movie making process if you had a magic wand? What would I change about the movie making process if I had a magic wand? Gatekeepers. Um, if I had a magic wand, I'd make the playing field level for for POCs, women in POCs. Um, this industry is still dominated by by white males, and um, I would love everybody to be like on on like an even playing field. There's enough space in here for everybody, and I don't think it should be you know, ruled by a select few and those those select few trying to tell our stories. Right. You know, I, w- I would never write a Nazi concentration camp or World War II story from the from the lens of a little boy that was in Nazi Germany. Right. That's not my story. Probably direct it, but I can't write it. Right. Right. I probably can't even direct it. Right. <laughs> but. I think for when when you have these big studios and these gatekeepers and they're putting out um, TV shows and films that we really didn't ask for or shows us as monoliths or show, shows us as one way, like that irked me because you can change the perception of a person visually faster than music can. Like when I watched um, Forks Over Knives and What the Health, the next day, I was a fucking vegan. The power, like the power of film. When when we did Miles and we did the premiere for Miles, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, right? But what people took from that is individuals that went to jail do deserve a second chance. If they had the support, they probably wouldn't go back. I changed someone's perception of a situation. That's the power of film. So I don't think that power should be held by the select few that doesn't represent our society as a whole, right? So yeah, morning wand, everyone's equal. Boom, we all have the same <laughs> opportunities, the same financing, the same distribution. We all have we we all are equal in getting these stories out there. Do you feel with technology and people learning quicker gets moving incrementally in the right direction? No. No. So the gift and the curse of te- technology, right? 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I couldn't be an independent filmmaker. It, it just cost too much. Cameras, you know, cameras and everything, it just costs too much. The gift now is that it's affordable and I can be an independent filmmaker. Anybody can be an independent filmmaker, but that's the curse. Because you have people that decide, I want to make a movie today. And they haven't gone through no education. They they don't love know the process. They don't love and respect this art form and just put some shit out. And I'm really talking from like my community, right? Yep. I see I see these terrible, terrible fucking films. I see more terrible films than I see good ones. And it's like 
what that tells someone is Atlanta ain't that good and the POCs in Atlanta aren't that good. So with technology, like, you know, like I said, it's it's a gift and a curse. You know, the ones that are good and are doing it well, great. Like, you know, Bobby Huntley and Shaquayla Mims and Chase Walker and those guys are doing it well. But then there's like a hundred for every one person doing it well, it's a hundred of them that's putting out trash. And it's like, this is where, I don't like using the word gatekeeper in this instance, but this is where there needs to be some kind of like checks and balances. You can't just say, I want to be a doctor today and go start operating on folks. There's there's stuff that you have to go through. You have to get, you know, certified, educated and do residency and all this stuff. I can't just walk into a courtroom and say that I'm a lawyer. But music and 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 film is the industry where I can just wake up one day and just do the shit. Right. And not be good. But that is detrimental to everyone, you know? So I, I had people telling me, no, not this way, this way, or you know, that guided me through it and I listened. Right. Whether I was using my own money or not. Right. I listened. I took, you know, I took those steps. I'm still constantly educating myself. I still take classes. I still, you know, work under other directors. I'll, I'll jump on as a first AD or a PA any day because I'm watching. I'm watching these other other directors. When I was in Albany, I got hired as a sound guy. I got promoted to first AD. Right. So. So, yeah, like tomorrow I'm doing sound for a friend of mine who did a project that I directed last year. Like, you're like, yeah, let's do it. So it's those things that, that a, lot, a lot of folks don't do. They, you know, they, 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 they want the glory. And if you're doing it for the glory, it's never really going to be right. You have to do it because you love to do it. Is that the central piece of advice you'd give to filmmakers starting out? It, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it sounds like yeah. a PSA. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that's the, like the first. Like, how do I get like you, Sean? Learn. Yeah. Don't stop learning and ask questions. A lot of people are afraid to ask questions. No, ask questions. But you you have to learn it before before you can do it. And you know, and stop shooting films with no budget. So you clearly have that ingrained in you. Let's say you can go back in time though to young Sean and tell him one piece of movie advice. What would you say? Um, there isn't any. Everything I learned, I learned right right on time. It's not like, like in my career now. No, I lie. I lie. Make make me think, Max. So what I would tell young Sean is research festivals first. Because I spent a lot of money submitting to and traveling to and going to festivals that didn't benefit me. And had I learned had I researched the festivals, past winners, what their theme is this year, what they go for, I wouldn't have wasted that money or wasted that time traveling. And you know, festivals, they don't t- you know, festivals have a theme every year. They don't tell you what that theme is, and they'll happily take your submission money. I tell new filmmakers, if you want to go the festival route, first you got to know like what you want out of the, out of the festival, right? And is this festival for your work? Because there's no point in me submitting a documentary like Miles to a festival that caters to, I don't know, missing children or I don't know, the domestic violence my project wouldn't work there but because it says documentary and they'll accept it doesn't mean that i should submit like you really have to do research on these festivals before you before you submit to them because you'll end up wasting a lot of money and time and be disappointed that's what i would tell young john i'm super selective when i do film festivals now if they're not oscar qualifying i don't do them and that's just me right so yeah i learned i learned a lot with uh film festivals so now let's take the Sean creator hat off and let's put on okay. the Sean as a film fan. You can get one movie tattoo. What's it got to be? If I'm getting one movie tattoo, it's uh, Shawshank. 
I'm getting the prison tattooed on me. Yeah, like the whole prison. You get. I'm getting either. I'm getting either the prison, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna get the rock hammer that 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 Andy Dufresne crawled out <laughs> over there with. That's. What I would think you would get get busy living or get busy dying. That seems like your mantra on your back. <laughs> <laughs> right, actually, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And who is your dream actor you would want to work with? My dream actor that I want to work with, um, I want I want to say there's there's two, Ray Liotta, man, I love Ray Liotta, man. Are you kidding me? And John Leguizamo. Yeah, Spawn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to work with everybody, but yeah. if I if I if you could tell me that here, Sean, you you have the budget to pick the two right now, it'll be those two guys, man. Ray has played like the cop and the monster. I would put him something, you know, different. And that's my thing. I, I like to put actors in roles that we haven't seen them in or we really see them in. So it'll be something, it'll be something completely different. And like with John Leguizamo, he's so diverse. He's almost done everything. You got Tu Wong Fu. You got Empire. You got Spawn. You got um one minute. Yeah, what? Yeah. So like you can put, like John's done everything, right? Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> so, but yeah, I would definitely. It, w- it wouldn't be a cop thing. Nah, I wouldn't be a cop thing. But I found that, like, when I go out and I cast actors, they're always saying, I've never had a role like this, right? So it's like, they, you know, they appreciate that and they're looking for something like this. So they're like, they're like all down to do it. You know, Um, I have a reality star, um, Mimi Fowles. She's on Love and Hip Hop. This is her last season. She wants to get into acting. So I gave her a role completely unglamorous unglamorous to really show her acting chops to really give her something different so people could see her in a different light and she was all for it she was like all right let's go so that's the thing you know when you want to work work, work with these folks get be able to, to give them something give them and most actors is one a role that they've never done or a role that they don't do too often but they like doing so sean what are you working on right now so right now um we're in pre-production for a feature film called traffickers so my first ad she wrote this film and she's also going to star in it. So I'm directing that. We start shooting that August 4th. Um, I mentioned 18. We start shooting that August 22nd through September 1st. Then I have a documentary that I'm doing called um, My Black Poly Family. It's a documentary about um, black poly, polyamorous um, couples and relationships. Um, then after that, I've, I've been wanting, I'm really like in this doc space. I love docs, right? So right. I want to do a documentary on Dr. Dr. Malachi Z. York. Um, I don't know when I'll be able to do that. I want to be able to do it this year after I do my Black Poly family, but we'll see. Um, and then I'll, I have a I have a series. I'm going to get back into my series bag. I want to do my series called Dr. Knock Boots. I came up with the idea. There's, 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 there's a non song. There's a nine song on the I Am album called Doctor Knock Boots. And it's about like a like a hood sex therapist. So I took that and crossed it with like the guy from House and created this character. So he's like the worst sex therapist that everyone needs. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's a, it, it's a comedy. So I want I want to I want to do that. Um, you know, later this year, early next year, and then I'm sure I'll get hired between now and then on other things. So we'll just see. So where can people find your stuff or reach out to you? Uh, anybody want to reach out to me, I'm most active on Instagram. So my Instagram is at filmmaker underscore Sean Mathis, Sean spelled S-H-A-U-N. Um, if they want to see my work, my work is on Amazon, Tubi, Aspire, 
BET, YouTube, them all just Google my name. That's Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Well, Sean, thank you so much learning filmmaking from the ground up. I can't wait to look 50 years from now and see an IMDb list that my computer will malfunction because it's too long. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be both. (laughs) Have a good one, Sean. Thanks a lot, Max. You as well. Finding an audience can be the greatest challenge a filmmaker can face. FilmHub is the answer to the distribution problems of the film community. FilmHub has helped countless directors get their projects onto major streaming services. So if you are finding the distribution side of filmmaking a frustrating battle, let the number one film distribution platform do the heavy lifting for you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review Ford Filmmaker on whatever podcast platform you're using. The smallest gesture makes a world of difference, and we so appreciate it. On the next episode of Ford Filmmaker, we'll be talking with writer-director Courtney Daniels, who shoots entire films from a single location, her bedroom.